and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandhan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we chat with ARIA-nominated Aussie Punjabi rapper El Fresh the Lion. We talk about his background, his connection to his culture and the messages behind his music. You might be wondering why we've named the episode Peace and Light. Peace and Light is the final song on El Fresh's latest album, Southwest, and it's also our favourite track from him. It touches on so many themes that Elfresh speaks to in his music and perfectly summarises the points we discussed in our conversation with him. I'm so excited, Romy. Let's get to it. <laughs> Back in school, I had a friend who was like a really big hip-hop head. Um, he was on people like Kendrick before they popped off. And I remember... Uh, way back when he he mentioned he was like hey bro you need to check out this guy called Elfresh the Lion and I thought you know Elfresh that's a really interesting name like who who is that and he said you know he's this Aussie rapper who's really proud of his Punjabi and Sikh roots um, he raps about his heritage and you know social justice and he got me to listen to a couple of tracks and it, it was dope because it was this guy who's spitting bars about stuff I can relate to but he also looks like me so it's amazing to see how far you've come as an artist since then. And, you know, it's such an honor to be sitting with you. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you, man. And it's a, it's a privilege to be here with you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sure. Um, I will add that Sandin's keeping his cool, but I know he's freaking out right now. <laughs> he's a huge fan of yours, as am I. So again, thank you so much. So I think it's safe to say that there's a portion of our audience who aren't massive rap fans. So for their benefit... Could you tell us a bit about yourself and maybe a little background on where your name came from? Sure. So my artist name is Elfresh the Lion. I was born in the city of Liverpool in southwest Sydney and raised in Liverpool and Campbelltown, which is Darwell land. My parents migrated from Punjab straight to, to Sydney. So they mm -hmm. came a couple of years before I was born. And hip hop came to me when I was in high school. And it was just something that I really gravitated towards as a fan and it, I just really related to the style of storytelling and and I think I also really connected with the, the themes of social justice because I don't know I was I, I was absent of that in music I, I couldn't really find that connection until I, I, I came across hip-hop and I just really related to it even though I was far removed from the the, the, the context of where hip-hop comes from you know so it just really resonated with me so I started making music pretty much straight away when I was like 13 or 14 and just you know in my room not too dissimilar to, to where I'm at now just now I've got a bit more fancy gear compared to back then <laughs> but um, you know back then it was just self-taught in my room teaching myself and picking up mentors along the way and, and learning from friends along the way uh, and then, you know, just kind of really putting my head down uh, during uni and after uni to, to really try to create a career for myself in, in music. It's something I'm, I was so passionate about and something I'm still very passionate about. And the name, the name came from, so when I was in high school and I got to the point where I started sharing what I was working on with my friends, one of my friends was like, bro, that's fresh. He just was saying, that's fresh. <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to put this stuff up online. I felt like I needed a stage name. And so he just kept saying fresh. So I was like, okay, cool. Fresh MC is going to be my name. But I also took that as an opportunity inspired by, you know, some of my favorite artists at the time who, who used their names as an acronym. I was inspired by the likes of Carolina and whatnot at the time. So I was like, okay, let me make this an acronym and give fresh a definition that, you know, really relates to my specific experience. And so fresh stands for forever rising exceeding sudden hardships 
And that really spoke to, you know, my mindset as a teenager, especially I was very much in this kind of warrior mindset, you know, having to respond mm -hmm. to experiences of racism and, and whatnot all the time. It kind of felt like there was either two ways I could have gone about it. One was to just kind of take it and, and be quiet about it. Or the other way I felt was just to fight back. And so I, I took that ladder option. And, and so that really, that forever rising mindset just really resonated with me at the time and still does to, in many respects, although I don't, mm -hmm always adopt the warrior mindset now um, <laughs> and it then became L fresh after a while I took the MC out it became just L fresh and the L comes from lion which comes from you know uh, being a sick community you get the the surname or middle name Singh which translates to, to lion women get called which translates to princess or royalty so I, I just wanted to infuse that into the name as well so L fresh and then I just got to the point where I realized the L was too subtle, you know, people weren't going to know what it stood for. So I just was like, I'll put it at the end of the name. So it just became Elfrest the Lion. So if you were to, to, to take it technically, the name's probably like Lion Fresh the Lion, which makes no sense, <laughs> but you know, it just stuck. I love that. I love that. Um, so you mentioned that uh, you found hip hop in high school, but what's your earliest memory with music? Do you remember what made you fall in love with it? That's a good question. I don't know what made me fall in love with it other than probably, well, I think what made me really, really passionate about music was, was Tupac's music. But my introduction to music would have been as a, as a child, you know, growing up in a sick household, sick music was always played. So traditional music, worship music. And, and there's a photo of me in a family photo album, you know, as a baby sitting behind a set of tabla. I told me how to play the tabla when I was younger. And so, you know, he, he introduced me to partic being a participant in music and not just mm. as a listener, you know, and uh, that kind of just stuck with me. I, I, looking back on it, I probably couldn't have told you at the time, but I, I definitely think the, the, the many, many years of playing tabla with my dad just um, informed my sense of rhythm, 100%, mm. you know, like, and even just my ways of thinking about rhythm and rap and, and style and flow and, and all that sort of stuff. Like I, I definitely feel I was informed by that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, Elfresh, we thought it'd be cool to kind of explore your experiences and the messages of your music by unpacking a few of the songs from your latest album, Southwest, uh, which if anyone listening hasn't checked out yet, you definitely need to. It's a really great album. Um, I wanted to start with your track, Born to Stand Out, which I really love the production of. Um, you know, the Indian percussion with like the 808s and the way you switch with the flow, it's super dope. And, you know, a lot of your music does draw from elements of South Asian music, from, you know, samples or some of the beats. But the message of the song, you know, why blend in when you want to stand out? What inspired that? If I'm being 100% legit in terms of that phrase, it was from a hoodie that I had. <laughs> <laughs> I love wearing hoodies, right? So that's that's my thing. And so I, I had a hoodie that I got years before I wrote the song, which just had the message on it, why blend in when you're born to stand out. And I wore it so often that uh, it, it, I wore it till it completely wore out. Like you just wouldn't want to be seen outside of the house wearing clothing that was that worn out. So um, it got to the point where I was just like, man, I, when I was working on the album, that particular song, I'd, I'd written the verses before I wrote the chorus. And, and I had an idea of, you know, what I wanted the message of the song to be, you know, born to stand out. And that phrase was etched in my mind. And, and not just because of the hoodie. I mean, the hoodie was reflective of, and, and why I was so, you know, uh, passionate about wearing it was it just reflected my mindset at a certain point. 
and, and, you know, touching on, on the things of, of what your podcast about, like I grew up not being, um, or trying to run away from my culture. You know what I mean? Like right. I grew up in that, in that, with that mindset, because I didn't feel like it was accepted here. I didn't feel like it was cool. And, and I wanted to, to, to belong, you know what I mean? But I got to a point where I was like, nah, man, you know, like that's the opposite of what hip hop encourages in terms of authenticity, but it's also the opposite of what sick teaching informs uh, or how that informs me, you know, so, and how that's influenced me and shaped me. And so that born to stand out mentality really comes from, from that. And, you know, within sick tradition, you know, we, we don't, we don't ever bemoan the fact that we're a minority. It's not taught to us in that way. If anything, we're told to, uh, to, to appreciate the fact that we're a minority. We, we prefer quality over quantity and that uh, within sick tradition, the idea is that one sick should be able to take on 125,000 people. You know what I mean? If, if, when it comes to standing up for, for what's right, when it comes for, uh, if we're talking odds on a battlefield, when it comes to preparedness and readiness for, for all those sorts of things. So um, the idea is that you're meant to stand out. That's the, the purpose of it. So that's where the, the essence of the song came from. And then when I wrote the hook, I was just like, why blend in when you're born to stand out? Nothing else worked in the chorus. I was just like, <laughs> it has to be that simple because nothing else worked. I tried it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you made a few points that we'll circle back to in a bit. Um, but before that, I wanted to ask you, you know, there's not a lot of people who look like you working in the industry that you're in, right? So, you know, you're kind of bound to stand out. Because of that, do you feel kind of a sense of responsibility to use your platform to be an activist, you know, to educate, to open doors, you know, songs like one which isn't on Southwest, Ekpariva, where you shed light on the farmers' protests happening in India. Could you speak a little to kind of the responsibility you you may or may not feel to use your platform for greater good than just music? Yeah, I mean, touching on the, the, the first part of your question, you know, I definitely stand out. And it's one of those things in, in the music industry, though. Every artist, you know, tries to stand out. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's one of those, it's part and parcel of being in the music industry and trying to find a point of differentiation. You have to find the things that make you unique in order to amplify those and, 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 and portray them in a way that resonates with audiences. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was just, I just feel like I'm fortunate in that regard because, you know, being a part of the sick community has just given me all the tools I need to stand out in this industry without me needing to have to really try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like that in and of itself, that is a blessing in many respects, but that touches on the first part of your question and you know like it's interesting like I don't necessarily feel a sense of assumed responsibility because of you know being a minority or because I stand out in the music industry I feel a sense of responsibility as a sick and by that I mean you know the the duty of a person who who calls themselves a sick is that your life is here to uh, for a purpose and your purpose is to serve the world for good you know what I mean? It's to live, you have to live by the, mm-hmm. the Guru's teachings, the Sikh Guru's teachings. And that essentially means that your life is not yours. If we're, we're talking about putting it, we're going deep for a moment, but it means essentially that your life is not yours, right? Like that your life is here for service. And so um, I feel a sense of responsibility as a Sikh. So whether I was in, in music or not, that I feel like I have to do something that, you know, I feel motivated and driven and, and, uh, I feel a need to have to do something with my life that means that, you know, I'm having a positive impact on the world around me, even if it's a very small impact, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that, that has to be part and parcel of, of my existence. So I, I don't necessarily, 
I don't really embrace or, or, or even use the word activist. I try not to use it because I feel like it brings with it a sense of, you know, activism is something that you do, but I feel like, and you just do it. And then, you know, you have other parts of your life, but I feel like we're at a point in, in the world where, you know, you can't be a part-time activist. You know what I mean? Like it has to, mm. you have to embrace this shit like top to bottom because like we need that right now. We need that sense of urgency. And so, yeah, I've always wanted to make music with a purpose. And, and mm. I think that's tied to what I just spoke to you guys about there with, in terms of my sick key, but also being inspired by the hip hop music that, you know, I really resonated with, you know, again, going back to starting with Tupac, but even then all the music that I listen to now or listen to from the beginning to now is all the ones that inspire me the most are the ones that, that have a purpose, the ones that say something and the ones that, you know, really try to have an impact. That's it with that. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I think that's what also makes you stand out compared to a lot of the other hip hop artists in the current scene, especially. So that's amazing. Um, so another song that Sandin and I were talking about um, from the album is called Village Boy. And I think you're dropping a music video for that soon, right? Oh, wait. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about how we love that you talk about your identity and your relationship with your culture in your music because that's so relatable to us also as South Asians in Australia and there's a bit of synergy between that and our podcast called Stuck in Between um, where we're kind of navigating these two worlds Um, and so with that song Village Boy it's really about you navigating being part of two villages the Southwest Sydney village and that of Punjabi ancestry. Um, could you share a little bit about where the idea for that song came from and what your experience has been like navigating those two villages? Yeah, I, th- I think you guys will really resonate with this. I mean, so like my, my parents grew up in villages, right? You know, in Punjab. So my mom's uh, village uh, is in a place called Jagran, which is uh, a bit away from the main city of Lidiana in Punjab. And my dad's village is close to a place called Ardhampur, just outside the main city of Jalanda. And so they, they grew up with that village lifestyle, you know? And so when they came to Australia, they brought the village with them in many respects, you know? Like if you go to my parents' house now, my dad grows sugar cane in the backyard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they brought that with them. You know, my grandparents, when they moved here, my grandma had the the meanest veggie patch in the backyard and when I went to visit, visit you know my, my mom's home and where she grew up with with her parents you know it was the exact same thing you know so mm-hmm. they brought the village with them and so I was trying to make this connection between like you know I didn't grow up in in villages in Punjab but I, I was trying to make the connection between that and you know being from Liverpool and being from southwest Sydney in that area you know because it's such a multicultural hub you know there's such an infusion of culture there and you've got people who settled there from all parts of the world all corners of the world and and to me i'm like that's my village you know like mm. the experiences that i get from there might not necessarily be the fact that you know i can i have agricultural skills in fact i don't <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, the energy and the essence of it i just wanted to make that connection you know and and also wanted to make the connection between like you know the the that point of Western Sydney often gets, it gets spoken about in ways that are, uh, I suppose, um, so very much connected to, to, to race in terms of like this idea that, you know, Western Sydney is a place where all these ethnics are, you know what I mean? And, and, mm. and that, that terms that, that get used or thrown out around when people speak about Western Sydney are often to try to say that, you know, um, 
what people from from diverse backgrounds bring to this country is is lesser you know what i mean and so mm. i wanted to then make the reference where i'm like you know western sydney is kind of like all these different villages all these different parts of western sydney you know whether it's mount joy blacktown um granville uh campbelltown claymore liverpool it's like these are all villages these are all hubs mm. i have a line on a song aim higher on the record as well where i say um i'm from southwest sydney in them outer city villages you know mm. i kind of wanted to make that reference was like yeah you're going to talk about us in racialized terms or how about we embrace it you know and what yeah. we bring to it and, and the positivity of, of what that village is like so it really is you know that conversation as you mentioned in the question of, of the two places and just wanting to put it in a way where it made sense for me like the, the term village boy makes so much sense to me as a person who is a part of these these two worlds or is a is a byproduct of these two worlds mm, that's amazing i grew up in western sydney in blacktown so i totally resonate with what you're saying <laughs> um so one of the lyrics in that particular song that i wanted to call out as well um you say when one of us wins we all feel the joy in that lyric are you talking about both the sikh and punjabi community as well as that South and, you know, Western Sydney community where we really need to stick together and elevate each other as part of both of those communities? Yeah, 100%. And, and I suppose it's a play on, again, being a part of a minority community. It's like when someone in our community does well, and you, I'm sure you guys have the same experience, your parents are like, oh, like in high school, it's like such and such as kid got like 99 on the HSC and you're like, <laughs> it's always my representation. You're like, man that's good. Like it gives us a, you know, reflects on us positively. It's the same then in, in, uh, you know, most recently, for example, we had two guys from this, you know, Sydney sick community on the amazing race TV show. So it's yes, like, I saw that guys on TV doing their thing. It's like, that's cool. You know, it's cool because mm. like now you're getting a, a, a sense of, of who we are to, to some degree. And that's not to say that then everybody from our community who's put on these platforms to represent are then representative of the whole community. I'm not saying mm. that, mm. but you're just getting a sense, you know, and, and what that then means for us as a community is we rally behind our people when mm. we see them winning, you know, and it brings us joy to see them break through barriers and do these amazing things. And similarly, yeah, for people from the areas that we grew up in as well, you know, like I remember having, you know, these same conversations with, with B-Wise, who's also from Southwest Sydney. And it's the same thing as like when we see people from Western Sydney do really well, like we're just happy because mm. of all that stigmatization and all that sort of stuff that kind of holds us down or keeps us um, away from, you know, opportunities or whatever it may be or from, from the shine. When we see someone who's who's come through the areas we've come through, knowing the barriers we have to overcome, then it's just a beautiful feeling. Mm. It makes us happy, you know? Yeah, I think um, there's another line in that track which goes, I take my city with me, it never gets left behind, which really speaks to what you were saying as well. Mm. Um, what's your relationship like with your two villages now? You've done a lot of community work in both your Sikh and Southwest Sydney uh, communities. Uh, could you speak a little to that? I'm really passionate about developing the, the music industry infrastructure in Western Sydney and, and also Southwest Sydney specifically. And so just constantly trying to, to figure that out. And I, what I mean when I say that is it's, it's one thing to be in a position where you've broken through barriers and all that sort of stuff to get to where you are. But I think the next thing is then, okay, well then how do I build things that make sure that the next person comes through, doesn't have to experience those things. Yeah, It's a sad thing to have to, 
you know, take on the weight of that responsibility. You know, I'm not saying everybody who, who goes through challenges and has to and ends up being, you know, surpassing expectations has to then assume that responsibility. But it's also something that I'm really passionate about. So um, it just it, it just fits really well to be able to to do that. And and I also recognize that so many people have helped me along the way. So I just want to try to mm. give back as well. So one of the things, for example, is a is a artist development program that I do with Campbelltown Art Center called Conscious. And the idea of this program is that we uh, get behind, support, and invest artists who make music, hip hop music, uh, with a conscious kind of spirit. So it has a purpose, it has a message, and they're from Western Sydney. And so we get behind them, support their careers. Uh, but that's just you know one such example. And for the sick community, man, I feel like the sick community is is doing its thing in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's just so many great people in the community who have been here for a long time. Um, building platforms and opportunities for more within our community to to grow and, and to shine. Uh, and the young people are really kind of taking that on board too. Just just the other week, I met these young kids who I first met at, at like a sick community camp and they were like babies, you know what I mean? They were like babies and now they're like teenagers and they were telling me how they teach at a Punjabi school in Western Sydney. And I was like, man, I'm so like, that made me so proud because I'm like, you guys are doing something so amazing to yeah. be able to share language and teach language in that way. And so it's, it's seeing stuff like that, that, that really inspires me and, and, you know, lets me know that there's just so many, you know, positive things to, to love about our villages. For sure. Uh, you were just talking about language and a song that I wanted to uh, talk to you about was a really reflective one from the album called Mother Tongue, where you speak mm-hmm. to your relationship with your mother tongue. Um, I think it's such a beautiful song because, you know, our languages are so important and play such a big role in connecting us to our roots, especially for people like us who grew up away from our motherland, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love your message in that song for future generations about recognizing the history and the power and the beauty and all of that. And in the second verse, you have a line talking about when you did feel like you lost a bit of fluency with it, feeling that guilt or shame when you're talking to your grandma in kind of broken language, which is something that I totally relate to, you know, living with my grandma at home. Could you speak a little to what you wanted to achieve through that song and kind of what reconnected you to your mother tongue in kind of adulthood? Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this because on one of the episodes I was listening to, I think you guys were talking about your experiences with language. Mother Tongue was a really important song for me and it was probably the most emotional song to record. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it really hit home, like hit hard when we were in the studio and, and especially because I have a huge soft spot for my grandmother. I mean, who doesn't have a soft spot? Yeah. You know? Um, and so my grandmother's, you know, passed away for a number of years now. And so especially when I think back on that relationship, the one thing that I, and it's, it's probably not the, the most healthiest thing but one thing if i was to say that i regret is not being able to have a conversation with her in punjabi before she passed in a way that i could communicate how i truly felt about her you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so when i wrote the song i was really just thinking about that i was really just thinking about what that means and and you know her since her passing you know i've become more and more devoted to to relearning punjabi language and the song touches on why I feel I lost it. And it's a combination of, of, of a number of things. I mean, one, I feel like in Australia, we have a very toxic uh, assimilation mindset that's weaved into the fabric of, of mainstream Australian culture, which is that, you know, you need to, it almost tells you without, in, in, in many respects, sometimes it tells you explicitly, but I think for the most part, 
in a subconscious way, it tells us that we have to abandon our cultures in order to, to fit in, in order to, to be a part of Australian society. And, and that's very toxic, you know, and that's mm. to me actually runs in contrast to the ways in which uh, First Nations communities, you know, what the culture is there because, you know, you think of what a welcome to country is or an acknowledgement the country is, and it's a celebration of culture. Mm. Mm welcome of, of who you are wherever you're from you know like which is very different to, to the, the toxic assimilation mindset that we have in mainstream Australia so I feel like that definitely played a part in me abandoning my language as I got mm. into school and just experiences with racism casual racism you know that definitely informed me in many ways and and, and the other part of that is also accepting responsibility that I made a conscious decision, whether or not I was influenced by those experiences or not, I still made a decision to abandon it. And whether I knew better or not, like that's, that's another, that's another conversation, but I had to accept responsibility that I let that happen too. So I, I wanted to kind of explore those, those points on the song and also kind of contextualize it too, from a broader standpoint, because if we think about the history of, what we now call India, you know, before it was known as India, you know, uh, before the British was there, India was uh, a bunch of sovereign communities, you know, mm. like different cultures were, were sovereign entities in and of themselves, you know, the way they governed, the way they, uh, you know, had autonomy over their communities. And so when it comes to the history of Punjab and the history of, of Sikhs in Punjab, there were times throughout history where you know, you, we were, we were literally punished for practicing our language or practicing our Sikhi. Our people were hunted for it, you know, through periods of history where our people lived in the jungles in, in three man cells, because, you know, that was the only way they could practice Sikhi without being punished, you know? So, mm. uh, the, the intro in the song touches on that, the prelude, the prelude. Yeah. And, and that's a, a preacher from the community in the UK by Singh, who, uh, you know, he gives kind of, I suppose, teachings through his speeches and talks in the UK. And yeah, I, uh, one of my friends sent that to me. And, and when I really dived into what he was saying there, it just felt really poignant to include that context into it as well. Yeah, definitely. So it was something that uh, I guess your connection to your language is something you had when you were younger and then kind of lost through your teenage years, you know, when you're trying to fit in and everything and then reconnected when you moved towards adulthood. Do you know if there was a defining moment that made you realise you wanted to reconnect with your mother tongue? And also did losing that connection to your language also made you lose your connection with your Sikh and Punjabi roots? 100%. Those two questions and the answer I have for that intertwined. So uh, the first thing that motivated me to want to get back to, to learning my language was specifically Sikhi, Sikh teaching, you know, language is such an important part of that. And, and so this ties into the, the conversation generally about assimilation and also colonization and decolonizing, because when I was a teenager up until probably my mid to late twenties, I felt like in order to learn about my own people's history and culture, the sources that were the most accurate in my mind were, was shit written by Western authors. So like white people in English, you know what I mean? The, the books that I was buying to learn about my own people's history was written in English by, by British authors, you know? And so they obviously had that lens to it. But for me, I felt like that was, that was academic. That was, that was official. That was, you know, like the correct, hundred percent correct thing. 
And then it wasn't until my later twenties where I realized how messed up that was because I'm like, man, as they don't, they can't fully understand it. You know what I mean? They can't right. really immerse themselves in something that they're not a part of. And so therefore they can't write about it or speak about it in the same way as somebody of that. It's, mm -hmm. it's not the same. And, and I had to unpack my thinking around why I felt like Western academic sources were more, uh, why I weighted them and valued them more than our own mm. community historians writing in Punjabi or speaking in Punjabi and pre-colonial texts. And so when I started to unpack that, I was like, man, I need to go back to language, you know, like there's, mm. there's no ifs or buts about it. And also the practice of, of the Sikh faith is, is intricately tied to language. You know, the Siddhi Guru Granth Sahib Ji, which is, you know, our 11th Guru, which, you know, is, is the Guru is supreme for us, the number one authority above and beyond anything. And, and for us, it's our, our text, you know, Guru Gobind Singh Ji, the 10th Sikh Guru instilled with the Guruship upon the written text. So for us, a text is not just our text, it's our Guru, which we have to treat with utmost reverence and respect. Like I mentioned before, you know, the purpose of a Sikh, if a person identifies as being Sikh, and really, you know, dives into that is like your life is in service of the Guru. So my life is in service of the Guru Granth Sahib Ji, right? And it's written in, in Gurmukhi script, which is Punjabi script. So it's like, if I want to know my Guru, I have to speak the language. You know, what is a Sikh without their Guru? Nothing. And if I can't speak the language, then how can I really develop that connection? And that's not to then say that if a person can't speak the language, they have zero chance of having a relationship with their Guru from a Sikhi perspective. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say that is you know, the least I can do is try to learn the language that my guru gave me. Mm. That's, the, that's what I feel is the least I could do. So that was, that was one motivation. And that's a, you know, real deep motivation. Of course, the other yeah. thing is, is, you know, wanting to converse with my relatives and, and, and whatnot from, from Punjab, you know, now in the absence of my grandmother, but I've still got a huge family. And I remember, you know, a few years ago when I was in Punjab, I was chatting to uh, my cousin and, he was asking, and I've had this question a lot throughout the course of my career, which is like, when are you going to release songs in Punjabi? And for so long, I was like, you know, it's not for me. There's so many artists out there who release songs in Punjabi language. Like my point of differentiation is I'm a, is I'm a Punjabi guy making music. And, you know, I was just like naive. Mm. That's my thing. And I, my cousin, I suppose it was a timing thing, but my cousin asked me the question. And I was at that point of really reassessing my relationship to, to my language. And I was really reassessing my own mind, my own colonized mind and trying to unpack all these things. And so my answer to him at that time was one that was purely honest. And that is like, I don't feel like my language is good enough for me to be able to write songs in Punjabi. You know, I, I was like, when I speak in Punjabi, I have an Aussie accent quite clearly. Like people are going to know straight away that I'm, I can't speak Punjabi properly. And he was like, but that's why you need to write songs in Punjabi and perform them in Punjabi. And that's your point of differentiation is that when you rap in Punjabi, of course, you're going to have an Australian accent because you were born there. But that means for people in Punjab and in India who are listening to the songs that you've made in Punjabi, they're going to listen to it. And the initial connection is going to be made because it's in Punjabi language. But then upon you know listening to it past the surface, they're going to realize you have an accent and they're going to want to know who you are, and where you're from. Mm. And then when they find out you're from Australia, they're going to be like, hey, there's one of our, you know, one of our people. Yeah. There's going to be a, another connection and a, and a yeah. sharing of pride there. So he was like, that's why you have to do songs in Punjabi. And I was like, shit, you're right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, so I came back from that and, and it took me quite a while to still muster up the confidence to be able to do it. And, and so I've started writing you know, songs in a mix of English and Punjabi now. So, you know, that's, that was the other motivation. That's awesome. That's a really beautiful reflection. Mm-hmm. I guess um, from our side, that's kind of why we started the podcast, right? Because we felt like we didn't have enough of a deep understanding about our culture mm. and we wanted to dive into that and get people on like you to have those discussions with. Um, so yeah, it's really cool hearing you kind of thinking the same and making the, the steps to get there. Well, I was, I was going to ask, what languages do you guys speak? We speak Tamil. Tamil, Tamil yeah. I, I want to send a, a, a song to you guys. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there was this killer track that came out a couple of weeks ago called Enjoy and Jami. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That song and that music video, like I couldn't understand a single word that was saying. <laughs> right? But I watched the video and it was, to me, it's my favorite song that is of hip hop influence from India. Because I'm like, the music video is not trying to be like US. Mm. It's 100%, you know, like from, uh, of their culture. And, and again, I know very little about, you know, Tamil speaking people and, 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 and culture from that part of the world. But watching it, I was like, man, I'm getting a real sense of like what your guys' community is about, from the artists in the song. And I was like, man, this, this is a real huge moment. And I'm That's so awesome. excited about that song. And like I said, I don't know a single, I don't know what they're saying, <laughs> but I just feel like it's got to be something really cool. That's and that's, awesome. I guess, the beauty of music, right? You yeah. don't need to understand the language, but with the, with the, the song and the vibes, you you know what it's about. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one thing that's really interesting, right, is hip hop from India, like it has to be in language. And by that, I mean, when I was there, I got to perform on, on a TV show called MTV Hustle, which is like, in a nutshell, it's like Australian Idol, but for rappers in India. And everybody was rapping in language. Everybody's mm. rapping in their own language from the parts of the, you know, the country they were from. And so I'm there in India, I'm in Mumbai, and I'm watching all these contestants perform in their language. And my 14-year-old self is like, yo, I didn't even think this was ever going to be possible. Yeah, it's amazing. Like... They're, they're hanging on every word and it's and it's in language you know i remember very vividly you know I, I went to school some of my closest friends was you know one of them is fijian indian one was from kerala who speaks malayalam mm-hmm. another one uh, again from 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 south india and like we never ever ever would have thought that it was possible to rap in our language and mm. that it'd be cool and that it was going to be acceptable never and you know to to see that in mumbai and to see how people resonated with it, so crazy to me. Yeah, amazing. Um, so finally, Peace and Light is a song we wanted to talk about because it's such a beautiful song and probably our favourite. Um, so it touches on so many things from identity to morality, nature, taking care of you know one another as humans and particularly finding your purpose. Um, and the first verse is just so poetic. I was listening to it on the car here, by the way, as well. Can you share a little more about the message of this song to get your view a little bit more would be great. Yeah, so, so that song came from this idea of, yeah, really wanting to, to dive into to my culture, right? So like the journey of the Southwest album is that it's, it's, it's a series of messages to my 14-year-old self. That's awesome. I love that. The idea being that I wanted to create an album that would be for the generations of young people coming up in countries like Australia who are having these same internal battles that I had about trying to, to make sense of the two worlds that they're a part of and just, you know, to be there for them, to, to be like their older brother and be like, you know, this is what I want you to know because when I was mm. your age, I didn't know this. And if I could go back, this, I would have played it different, you know? And so that song, Peace of Light, 
is the the end of the album and i suppose it's the only time on the record where i'm other than the third verse in alchemy it's it's probably the only time where i feel like i'm really directly speaking to to the younger self and the title comes from the first part of my culture that was given to me which is my birth name and so my birth name is Sukhdeep, and that means to be a light for peace. So if you, you know, Sukh means uh, peace, deep means light. So that song for me was like, I'm, I'm bringing my two worlds together for the first time in music. And it was important that it had to happen on that song and on the Southwest album, because I feel like the Southwest album in many ways feels like a first album in that it's the first time I feel like I've created something that sonically represents me in my entirety and by the, wow. all the stuff that we're talking about the fusion of culture you know like the first two records i feel like i was and that's not to take anything away from the first two records but i feel like i was finding my way sonically like i didn't know how to bring to life this fusion of cultures in a way that as soon as you hear the pieces of music you knew that it was it was a blend of this in an organic and natural way you know, if you see me walking down the street, turban and a beard, hoodie, you know, kicks, <laughs> some people be like, it doesn't make sense to me. I wanted, I wanted my music to, to sound like the hoodie kicks version of me, you know, like natural that. blend. So Peace and Light was my attempt at really trying to flesh out all the lessons, the, the processes, just really a complete honest reflection of so many different things. And it was just mm-hmm. trying to take these big ideas and concepts and just put them into a really raw emotive song where I was just pouring my heart out like that. That was really the essence of the song. And, and there are lines in that song. Sometimes, you know, you make songs and especially in Australia and especially at this point in, in my career where, you know, I've, I've done some great things, but I'm also honest about the fact that, you know, I'm not that big. You know what I mean? Like people are not going to dive into the depths of and the nuances of my music in the same way that they do a Kendrick Lamar and J Cole you know, for example, when Kendrick puts his album out, people are listening to it backwards already to figure out whether that's the right way to listen to it. You know, like they're really diving into the meaning of this shit. Whereas in Australia, I don't feel like we necessarily do that in the same way, but also Mm. I'm just no way near that level. But Peace and Light, I feel like has so many layers to that song and so many points that I make on that song that I think if you really sit with that song and listen to it over and over, you're going to get something different out of it every time. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. You said people might not study your music, but I feel like they really should because if you listen to it, there's so many yeah. so many different takeaways I get each time I listen to mm. it. So, you know, one time I listened to it, I was focusing on how you were talking about your spirituality. Another time I was listening to it, there was more that resonated about how colonialism looks in the modern world. Lyrically, I think that's my favorite track of yours. Could you speak a little maybe um, to some of that more deep concepts that kind of come out, like the colonialism or spirituality? Yeah. That, so that first verse was really just a, a personal reflection on, on me trying to understand why I do this. You know, why, why do I make music? And, and it culminates in the, the last, I think it's four to eight lines where I talk about, you know, at 21, I just wanted to be the best rapper. That was just my goal. Mm. I just wanted to be the best and I wanted to, to be famous. And, you know, I was really uh, just about that. And then I realized that what's the point? You know, it's like, what's the point? Unless you have something to give to the world, unless you have mm. something of value to offer to people that's meaningful, that's also going to contribute to addressing some of the biggest issues of our time. Like, what's the point of being the best? You know, mm. just ego. So that, that was, that was the, the, the first verse. And I really wanted to kind of focus on that and contextualize my individual goals with bigger issues that we have in the world. Like, you know, 
um, you mentioned climate change and, and um, you know, rampant capitalism and exploitation and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. The second verse was really like me diving in on um, this idea of, of, you know, having a colonized mindset, you know, being in Australia and living in a colony essentially. And, and what that means for me as a person living on stolen land, as a brown person mm. living on black land, like that was really my, what I was trying to dive in on there. And, you know, there's, there's, there's lines there, for example, where I say, you know, waving colors flying over dissected continents, never fully understanding of our own origins. Like, I really wanted to say that, you know, we've got this nationalism in a country, you know, where this continent has, has been dissected, you know, in order, by dissecting it, we've, we've essentially erased all the, the, the countries that existed here before we had this one waving flag over this continent, you know, mm. and, and I just kind of wanted to really unpack that. And there was a bar in there where I'm like, um, the past is a half truth enshrined as a monument. And, and I wrote this like many years ago, but the idea mm. of that was like, you know, we have all these statues around the country. It's that conversation. We got statues of Captain Cook and, you know, Governor Macquarie and all these people. And it's like, we, we tell a half truth about who they really were and what they actually did. Mm. We, we revere them in, as monuments so like i was just really wanted to unpack that conversation and then also kind of what does that mean for me you know as a as a person who's brought up in this country what am i culpable mm. in terms of perpetuating that colonization um and and the third verse was just a reflection on a whole bunch of different things but also just that experience of being a part of two different cultures and and trying to unpack all of that and, and trying to find a sense of purpose and again just falling back on the meaning of my name you know to be a life of peace um so yeah it's 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 a deep song man like i remember when I, I first wrote it i was i had a very particular vision for it and uh i'm so glad it, it it you know as soon as i wrote it i was like this is the last song in the album you know you get to the end of making an album and and one of the conversations that we have internally is like okay what's the track list going to be from start to finish what's the journey of the album and um I was, I'm always open to, to feedback and I'm always open to criticism, especially within my team, because that's how you learn. That's how you, that's how you get the best result. But the one thing that I said was like, the album has to start with alchemy and it has to end with peace and light. The rest, mm. give me whatever suggestions you want. <laughs> that's right. I, um, I really wanted to pull out a couple of quotes from that song to kind of pick your brain about, but I couldn't choose. Uh, so I'm thankful that you call out a couple yeah. here now. Uh, but you know, you can say no, and I don't want to really put you on the spot. Uh, but would you mind reciting your favorite verse, maybe from that song? Oh, that's a hard one to pick, man. And and if it depends on when you would would ask me. But like, I don't know, bro. You pick one, one, two, or three. Let's let's go with uh, let's go with two. Okay, cool. So it goes. This is the sound when my heart speaks. Conversations with it when I can't sleep, reminding me of the fire that exists inside. To live for a purpose occupies my mind. Seeing waving colors flying over dissected continents, never fully understanding of our own origins. See, to the original, we are the foreigners, connect collectively foreign to the concept of acknowledgement. Stoke the flames of national pride and gain blind followers, feeling secure, wrapped in an insecure dominance. Honorable visions lost in the lure of the metropolis, then power struggles look alike some stand ins for commodus. If the present's messed up, the future's ominous. The past is a half-truth enshrined as a monument. Word to Neil deGrasse Tyson and some astronomers cause I set my hopes up to where Halley's Comet is. Back on Earth, I dig deep like archeologists. A shame we became well-trained by our colonists. 
believing in the sovereign, but living out the opposite, perceiving our motherlands to be backwards and impoverished. Ain't that some BS for real? We have become so self-defeatist. Whatever the man says, we buying and believe it. Craving photo ops, validation and agreement. The raw truth is hotter than your face on the cement. So don't trip, you can't unsee once you've seen it. I have what I have due to motherland's bleeding, plus a colonized mind trying to understand healing. It's hard to free the mind when you're forced to leave parts of you behind for a taste of that limelight and shine. And if you refuse, you are viewed as political and dangerous. That means my presence is a statement. Oh, man. oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want another verse as well. <laughs> <laughs> We always end our episodes asking for a recommendation from our guests. Um, again, kind of putting you on the in the hot seat. Um, do you have any recommendation for our listeners? It can be absolutely anything. I'm going to say, just because I feel like maybe your guys' audience will appreciate it. Um, there's a movie called Bag Milka Bag, which is about the, the story of Milka Singh, who was a, a, an athlete, a runner, uh, a Sikh community from India. And his story is just so intertwined you know, his, his story as an athlete, a really successful athlete, is intertwined with the story of, of Partition as well. Mm. It's a really, really deep movie. It's one of the few movies where at, by the end of it, like I got to the credits and literally as soon as the credits started rolling, like I was bawling my eyes out because I'm like, yo, that could have been, who's, who's not to say that could have been me? You know, like that's so crazy. So yeah, it's, mm. a, it's an amazing movie. It's, it's worth a oh, watch. Wonderful. That's we'll awesome. check it out. Yeah. Um, Sen, then, did you want to tell everyone about our combined recommendation for the week? Yeah, so our recommendation uh, from Romy and I is for anyone listening, you know, go check out music that you might not regularly listen to, you know, listen to music from a different part of the world or a different genre, you know, branch out. You never know what's out there. And listen Perfect. to Enjoy and Jummy. definitely well thank you so much for your time we appreciate it so much yeah i'll be listening to your music with a completely new lens now yeah Uh, definitely and i love that conversation i appreciate you both thank you so much thanks so much for listening to this episode make sure you go and check out l fresh's work you definitely won't be disappointed as always please follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and on instagram at suck in between underscore podcast Join us for our next episode where we chat with South Asian LGBTQI plus representative and makeup artist Gautam Jaya. See you then. Bye.